Chapter Fourteen of the Big Time by Fritz Leiber. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Karen Savage. Chapter Fourteen. Like diamonds, we are cut with our own dust. Webster. Now will you talk? Cretans have eyes under their back hair, or let's face it, entertainers aren't soldiers. Cabby weaved to one side and flicked a helpful hand, and poor old Maud went where she'd been going to send Cabby. It sickened me to see the gravity take hold and yank her down. I could have jumped up and made it four in a row for Cabby, but I'm not a bit brave when things like my life are at stake. Lily was starting to get up, acting a little dazed. Cabby gently pushed her down again and quietly said, "'Where is it?' and then hauled off and slapped her across the face. What got me was the matter-of-fact way Cabby did it. I can understand somebody getting mad and socking someone, or even deliberately working up a rage so as to be able to do something nasty, but this cold-blooded way turns my stomach. Lily looked as if half her face were about to start bleeding, but she didn't look dazed any more, and her jaws set. Cabby grabbed Lily's pearl necklace and twisted it around her neck, and it broke, and the pearls went bouncing around like ping-pong balls. So Cabby yanked down Lily's gray silk bandeau until it was around the neck, and tightened that. Lily started to choke through her tight-pressed lips. Eric, Mark, and Illy had come up and crowded around, but they seemed to be content with the job Cabby was doing. "'Listen, slut,' she said, "'we have no time.' You have a healing room in this place. I can work the things. Here it comes, I thought, wishing I could faint. On top of everything, on top of death even, they had to drag in the nightmare personally stylized for me, the horror with my name on it. I wasn't going to be allowed to blow up peacefully. They weren't satisfied with an A-bomb. They had to write my private hell into the script. There is a thing called an inverter. Cabby said, exactly as I'd known she would, but as I didn't really hear it just then, a mental split I'll explain in a moment. It opens you up, so they can cure your insides without cutting your skin and making you bleed anywhere. It turns the big parts of you inside out, but not the blood tubes. All your skin, your eyes, ears, nose, toes, all of it, becoming the lining of a little hole that's filled with your hair. Meantime, your insides are exposed for whatever the healer wants to do to them. You live for a while on the air inside the hole. First, the healer gives you an air that makes you sleep, or you go mad in about fifty heartbeats. We'll see what ten heartbeats do to you without the sleepy air. Now will you talk? I hadn't been listening to her, though, not the real me, or I'd have gone mad without getting the treatment. I once heard Doc say your liver is more mysterious and farther away from you than the stars, because although you live with your liver all your life, you never see it or learn to point to it instinctively, and the thought of someone messing around with that intimate yet unknown part of you is just too awful. I knew I had to do something quick. Hell, at the first hint of introversion, before Cabby had even named it, Illy had winced so that his tentacles were all drawn up like fat feather sausages. Eric had looked at him questioningly, but that lousy loony had unendeared himself to me by squeaking, "'Don't mind me. I'm just sensitive. Get on with the girl. Make her tell.' Yes, I knew I had to do something, and here on the floor that meant thinking hard and in high gear about something else. 
The screwball sculpture Eric had tried to smash was a foot from my nose, and I saw a faint trail of white stuff where it had skidded. I reached out and touched the trail. It was finely gritty, like powdered glass. I tipped up the sculpture, and the part on which it had skidded wasn't marred at all, not even dulled. The gray spheres were as glisteningly bright as ever. So I knew the trail was diamond dust, rubbed off the diamonds in the floor, by something even harder. That told me the sculpture was something special, and maybe Doc had had a real idea in his pickled brain when he'd been pushing the thing at all of us and trying to tell us something. He hadn't managed to say anything then, but he had earlier when he'd been going to tell us what to do about the bomb, and maybe there was a connection. I twisted my memory hard and let it spring back, and I got inverse Bosch. Bosch, indeed. Bosch and inverse Bosch to all boozers, rusky or otherwise. So I quick-tried the memory trick again, and this time I got Glovsch. And then I grasped and almost sneezed on diamond dust as I watched the pieces fit themselves together in my mind like a speeded-up movie reel. It all hung on that black, right-hand hussar's glove Lily had produced for Bruce. Only she couldn't have found it in stores, because we'd searched every fractional pigeonhole later on, and there hadn't been any gloves there, not even the left-hand mate there would have been. Also, Bruce had had two left-hand gloves to start with, and we had been through the whole place with a fine-tooth comb, and there had only been the two black gloves on the floor where Bruce had kicked them off the bar. Those two, and those two only, the left-hand glove he'd brought from outside, and the right-hand glove Lily had produced for him. So, a left-hand glove had disappeared. The last I'd seen of it, Lily had been putting it on her tray, and a right-hand glove had appeared which could only add up to one thing. Lily had turned the left-hand glove into an identical right. She couldn't have done it by turning it inside out the ordinary way, because the lining was different. But as I knew only too sickeningly well, there was an extraordinary way to turn things inside out, things like human beings. You merely had to put them on the inverter in surgery and flick the switch for full inversion or you could flick it for partial inversion, and turn something into a perfect three-dimensional mirror image of itself, just what a right-hand glove is of a left. Rotation through the fourth dimension, the science boys call it. I've heard of it being used in surgery on the highly asymmetric Martians, and even to give a socially impeccable right hand to a man who'd lost one by turning an amputated right arm into an amputated left. Ordinarily, nothing but live things are ever inverted in surgery, and you wouldn't think of doing it to an inanimate object, especially in a place where the docs are drunk, and the surgery hasn't been used for hundreds of sleeps. But when you've just fallen in love, you think of wonderful, crazy things to do for people. Drunk with love, Lily had taken Bruce's extra left-hand glove into surgery, partially inverted it, and got a right-hand glove to give him. What Doc had been trying to say with his inverse Bosch was invert the box, meaning we should put the bronze chest through full inversion to get at the bomb inside to disarm it. Doc, too, had got the idea from Lily's trick with the glove. What an inside-out tactical atomic bomb would look like I could not imagine, and did not particularly care to see. I might have to, though, I realized. But the fast-motion film was still running in my head. Later on, Lily had decided, like I had, that her lover was going to lose out in his plea for mutiny unless she could give him a really captive audience, 
and maybe even then she had been figuring on creating the nest for Bruce's chicks, and all those other things we'd believed in for a while. So she'd taken the major maintainer, and remembered the glove, and not many seconds later she had set down on a shelf of the art gallery an object that no one would think of questioning, except someone who knew the gallery by heart. I looked at the abstract sculpture a foot from my nose, at the clustered gray spheres the size of golf balls. I had known that the inside of the maintainer was made up of vastly tough, vastly hard giant molecules, but I hadn't realized they were quite that big. I said to myself, Greta, this is going to give you a major psychosis, but you're the one who has to do it, because no one is going to listen to your deductions when they're all practically living on negative time already. I got up as quietly as if I were getting out of a bed I shouldn't have been in. There are some things entertainers are good at, and Cabby was just saying, You go mad in about fifty heartbeats. Everybody on their feet was looking at Lily. Sid seemed to have moved, but I had no time for him, except to hope he hadn't done anything that might attract attention to me. I stepped out of my shoes and walked rapidly to surgery. There's one good thing about this hardest floor anywhere. It doesn't creak. I walked through the surgery screen that is like a wall of opaque, odorless cigarette smoke, and I concentrated on remembering my snafu'd nurse's training, and before I had time to panic I had the sculpture positioned on the gleaming table of the inverter. I froze for a moment when I reached for the inversion switch, thinking of the other time, and trying to remember what it had been that bothered me so much about an inside-out brain being bigger and not having eyes, but then I either thumbed my nose at my nightmare, or kissed my sanity goodbye, I don't know which, and twisted the switch all the way over. And there was the major maintainer winking blue about three times a second, as nice as you could want it. It must have been working as sweet and steady as ever all the time it was inverted, except that, being inside out, it had hocused the direction finders. End of chapter 14